0: All right, good morning, everybody. Now, I'm not high-tech at all, and the last time I had this on, I had it on backwards. Uh, Robbie, can you hear me okay? All right, we got a thumbs up, so we're, we're doing good. Now Barbara, let me tell you, I'm not a high-tech guy at all. <laughs> well, again, before we start, let's uh, open in prayer. Lord, thank you for this time that we could be here today, Lord, for the beautiful weather that you've made this day. And, Lord, again, I just pray that, Together, we'll, we'll just enjoy the treasures of your word and learn together just the, the neat things that are in your word that we can en- enjoy not only here and the now, but for eternity in your name. Amen. If you folks would open up to with me uh, in your Bibles, there might even be a few Bibles in front of you there. It would be for Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, again, that's in the Old Testament. And that can be found, you have Psalms, Proverbs, and then Ecclesiastes. And we're going to be continuing our study in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And, uh, you know, I was uh, uh, very excited, really, once kind of how things worked out, where uh, we could speak about chapter 3 today in Ecclesiastes, uh, I feel like in, th- in this chapter, in the, fr- especially the first eight verses of Ecclesiastes, uh, somewhat might be familiar to a lot of us. Uh, you may have heard these first ver- eight verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 at a funeral. Sometime, a lot of times it's said at a funeral. Or even on the radio. Uh, I know Paul Nelson had touched back upon this a couple Sundays ago, but back in 1965, an American rock band called The Birds, B-Y-R-D-S, uh, made a song, uh, kind of. They took from these eight verses this popular song titled "Turn, Turn, Turn." There is a season. Turn, Turn, Turn. They, they, they kind of uh, did a song from these eight first eight verses of Ecclesiastes of chapter three. Matter of fact, on a Friday I was listening to an oldie station and they were playing this song, so it's still being played today. So again, uh, I'll start up by reading verses one through eight. We're going to go through the whole chapter, but for now we'll we'll kind of focus on verses 1 through 8 of chapter 3 about God's timing. There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart and a time to sew together. And a time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate a time for war, and a time for peace. Now, again, the author of this particular chapter is Solomon. He's the son of King David. He's otherwise known as the preacher as well in, in, this, uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes that he writes. And Solomon proclaims that there is an appointed time or a season, if you will, a season for everything. Matter of fact, the word time or a time between verses 1 through 8 30 times that's mentioned, time or a time, just in that brief period, 30 times. And the preacher keeps repeating a time, and it's always reflecting the the monotony monotony of it all, a time for this, a time for that. Uh, A bad moment in time answers a good moment in time. So you have, you know, a time to be born, that could be a joyous time, but then you have the sadness of a time where someone has passed away or uh, has died. Now, the preacher knew that though good things happen in life, the bad things can't be escaped. So let's now dissect some of these verses here from 1 through 8. Obviously, I think a lot of us, as we have lived, uh, the longer we live in our lives, we go through these different seasons in life. A time to give birth and a time to die. Again, I think we've all seen the wonder of a baby being born, yet the sadness of a person, a loved one that has passed away, that has died. A time to plant, and a time to uproot what is planted. Uh, any of you gardeners out there, you know, I mean, I'm a very beginning gardener, and I know with tomato plants, you're not going to go out in January and plant a tomato plant in a foot of snow. It doesn't make sense. It's just not, <laughs> it's not the right time to do that. Uh, same with the tomato plant. It gets these little, you know, starts getting these little balls of tomato. You're not going to pick them because it's not the right time. You've got to wait till they get plump and, you know, nice and big and red. Uh, there's the appropriate time for that. Uh, and to uproot what is planted, I had a tomato plant that wasn't doing anything. No matter how much I awarded it, I had to uproot the plant and throw it out. It was was just, it was dead. That might have been some of my fault (laughs) because I'm a beginning gardener. But anyway, now there's also in verse 3, we see a time to kill and a time to heal. And that word kill is very interesting. In the Hebrew word, well, the Hebrew word for murder is ratha. But in this text is a different Hebrew word. So what this is not saying is a time to kill, or a time to murder, I should say. So in other words, it's not telling you, oh, if I feel like murdering someone today, I'm going to murder someone today. No, no, no. That's not what that's saying. A time to kill, in this text, the Hebrew word for that is harag, which means to kill or slay, uh, such as an animal for food. That's the proper time to kill. Or even with the government, to carry out justice for someone who has murdered. Uh, God has given the government Matter of fact, we can look at this if uh, you, you so choose to turn to Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, says this. Romans 13, 1 through 4. Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. Now we also have a time to heal. Think of the body, how thankfully most of the times if we get a bruise or a scratch, thankfully the, God, the, the Lord has enabled the body to, to heal from a wound like that. A time to tear down and a time to build up. You think of buildings uh, where buildings get so dilapidated, the roof's caving in. Well, you're going to tear it down. You're going to build a new one, a more safer one. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Again, these are all proper times. Uh, When you go to a wedding, you you don't see people bawling at a wedding for the most part. Uh, There's nobody lamenting at a wedding. Uh, Usually it's a joyous time. It's a time of laughter. Uh, And again, the reverse goes for a funeral. Usually you go to a funeral, you don't see people laughing hysterically at a funeral for the most part. I mean, guess a believer's funeral can be entirely different, but still. There is a proper time and how we act at a funeral or a wedding. Now, verse 5 is very interesting. It says, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. Now, again, when this is written, agriculture was very big. You know, it w- they didn't have no computers back then or anything like that. So agriculture was very big. So now, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. Again, when you're doing gardening, when you're cultivating the land, you want to get those stones out of there. And it's interesting, those same stones that you'll cast aside... You'll gather them up, and maybe you might use them for a rock garden or for a walkway. So there was a time to gather stones. In ancient times, matter of fact, the enemies, what they would do, they would scatter stones on uh, another enemy's land to make the land harder to farm. So in ancient times, they used that's what they used to do, use to cast stones to, to make it hard for an enemy to farm their land. Alright, a time to search and a time to give up as lost. Maybe many of you have lost something at home and you searched all over the place for it and finally you just say, uh, <laughs> you don't have no idea where it is. You know, you're giving it up as lost, so you can't find it. There's a time to keep and a time to throw away. I know when Barbie, we were lately cleaning out our basement and there was some stuff that, alright, you might want to keep some, but some stuff you had to say, you know what, we haven't used it in a long time, <laughs> out it goes. So there is a time to throw away. You think of uh, a time to tear apart and a time to sew together. Again, uh, back in the ancient times when this was written, people made their own clothes. They, they didn't have uh, Macy's down the road or anything like that. So there was a time to where the garment got so bad, you tear it up and use it for a rag or something like that. But yet there was a time to repair that garment, to sew it together. And this speaks volumes right here. Uh, a time to be silent and a time to speak. And, again, I think that makes sense because, again, when two people are talking at the same time, <laughs> you're not going to get the point across, okay? It's very wise when one can be silent. There's a time for that. And, obviously, there is a time to speak when it's the appropriate time. A time to love and a time to hate. Uh, again, again, that, too, is uh, you know, a time where we can always love God's laws and God's ways but hate sin hate hate, injustice a time for war and a time for peace again we've seen with our nation and with Israel as well the nation of Israel there were times of war and there was times for peace so there's appropriate times for these these things to happen these different seasons uh, that come and go Uh, the preacher again knows that though good things happen in life the bad things can't be escaped and I think we've all seen that throughout our lives we're all, there's all of us are going to go through different trials in our lives. Again, God's timing can be so different from our timing. And I think we've seen that too. Especially the loss of a child, a severely handicapped loved one. Again, we, know we might ask why, and the answer, we may never find it in this, in this present time. We might not even get that answer until we get to heaven ourselves. There's some things we, we just can't answer, humanly speaking. Uh, time is very precious to all of us. And, again, as we get older, the, the time, like, we just, ro- our lives revolve around the clock, around time. You know, time to get up for work. You know, it's time to, uh, you know, take the kids to soccer practice. It's, it's our, vo- our lives just revolve around time. It has such a, a bearing on our lives. But, again, God in his sovereignty has set these times, these different seasons in our lives, whether they be good seasons or bad seasons, in his timing. He has a purpose for it. Scripture has a lot to do do as far as regarding God and time. In 2 Peter 3.8, you should so turn to, that's fine. If not, you can listen. But 2 Peter 3.8 has this to say about God and time. But do not let this one fact escape your notice. Beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. John one one says this about God as well. John one one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So again, in the beginning, okay. Genesis one one. A lot of us would probably remember that as well. The first book of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So even in the beginning. God's already there, creating things. Okay, He's always been. He, and again, with our human mind, it's like, <laughs> how do you comprehend that? It's very hard. Okay, but God has always been. Uh, God is not defined, confined by time or space like we are. Uh, there's just, uh, he just again, is a whole different. Uh, we are mortal. God is immortal as far as uh, His infinite, infinite wisdom and thoughts. Now, the word uh, time can be very hard to define. Matter of fact, in Revelation 1.8, it says this also about uh, the Lord that I wanted to get to before I get to anywhere else. Revelation 1.8 says this about God and time. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty So again, here he is. God is in the beginning all the way to the end. He is always existent. And again, we come to that word time, and time can be very hard to define. You'll hear all sorts of phrases about time. Time to make the donuts. It's about time. Time's up. That took a long time. Not a long time at all. Once upon a time. Time in, time out. Time is money. Time Time waits for no one. In the nick of time. What time is it? How many times does this guy appear? I'm going to say time. (laughs) Again, the word time is just, it's used all the time, the word time. So we see that, especially in verses 1 through 8. But now we kind of get past that. Now in the following verses, 9 through 11, we will see that the preacher, Solomon, has a glimmer of hope in seeing God as the master of time. And you're going to see this throughout chapter 3 where there's some moments where Solomon has this eternal perspective, perspective where he sees God is in control of time. And then other times you'll see the same Solomon going through a different perspective where he says all is vanity, you know, there's, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, all life is meaningless. So he kind of goes back and forth with these perspectives. So let's read verses 9 through 11 if you could just follow along quietly. What profit, because he starts us off with a question, what profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils? I have seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning, even to the end. We'll stop right there for a minute. Now, again, Solomon starts us off with the question you Now, what profit is there? Wh- wh- what is there to gain by working in which he toils? A man toils. And actually, we'll kind of, just to give you a little preview, we'll kind of get that answer in verse 13. So here, Solomon raised that question. But here we see God gives us tasks to occupy our time with, which is good. Solomon sees that in all the good times and bad times, God has made everything beautiful in its appointed time, in its season. We come to verse 11. People have a yearning for the eternal, and God has put this in their hearts. Romans 1.20 uh, touches upon that. Romans verse chapter 1, verse 20 in the New Testament says this For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. And again, through creation, perfect day like today to see it, but even with the snow and the rain, how God makes himself known, especially through creation, even through the miracle of a child being born. So though God has given humans a longing for eternity, there is this intellectual gap that we see between man and God. I mean, thank the Lord we have his word, so we do get a picture of what God is like. But again, I, I kind of equate this to teaching your dog geometry. Now, I have a dog. The dog loves me. He's very loyal. But if I were to sit down with my dog, Shadow, and say, well, you know, Shadow, the theorems say that the congruent sides, of side-angle side, and, you know, everything is congruent, and there's all these different theorems I can give him. Now, Shadow's going to look at me and go, And, you know, she'll lick me a little bit. She's not going to understand a word I'm saying, okay? But it's kind of a picture of, again, with God and us as far as his ways and our ways. And that is a perfect example. Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9, touch upon that. So Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9, says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let's move on. Now we come to verses 12 through 15 of chapter 3. Again, thank you for patiently following along here. Verses 12 to 15 of chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will remain forever. There is nothing to add to it, and there is nothing to take from it. For God has so worked that men should fear him. That which is has been already. And that which will be has already been, for God seeks what has passed by. Now, again, because God has made everything beautiful, it is wise to receive the good things of this life from our labors as a gift of God. And, you know, that's always been a thorn on my side. You think of work, and work for me, uh, I've always gotten these times where spring, summer, and fall are great. I love my job, remember, like that. I work for the highway department, if you don't know. When winter comes, boy, I can complain up and down, and <laughs> because that's when my schedule goes out the window. I'm at work; if they need me at work. I got to be there for snow and ice. So, but here's a challenge: that we are to enjoy our jobs, enjoy the tasks that God has given us. And in fact, in verse thirteen, like I said, this is the answer to verse uh, of verse nine, where uh, Solomon asks, "You know, what profit is there to the work from that which he toils? What profit is there?" Here we see in verse 13 that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor is the gift of God. So it is a gift to be able to work and to have things to do. Now the preacher, again, briefly leaves his all is vanity thinking and he states that God's actions are permanent. So again, he has this eternal perspective right now. And And he's saying that God's actions are permanent and effective and complete. Nothing can be taken or added to it. And now we go to verse 15. Now, because God judges the heart and the past, present, future deeds of man, everything man does has meaning to God. God seeks it. So, whatever we do, whatever we do is important to God. We could be doing household chores, it's important to God. And again, how, what bearing should that have in our lives? If, if it's important to God what we do, how should we do that? That whether it be our jobs or just something you know, doing the household chores, washing dishes, how what kind of uh, purpose should that be that we'd be doing that for? That's not just something menial and uh, uh, worthless that we're doing. Now we come to verses 16 and 17. Furthermore, I have seen under the sun that in the place of justice, there is wickedness. In the place of righteousness, there is wickedness. I said to myself, God will judge both the righteous man and the wicked man for a time for every matter and for every deed is there. And again, now Solomon goes under this, uh, under this, uh, under the sun uh, thinking again, where, you know, life is meaningless. And, and he gets frustrated, you can see where, and, you know, he's seeing all this injustice taking place and unrighteousness taking place instead of justice, instead of. Uh, instead of uh, things that he wants to see, wickedness is taking all that that's supposed to be there. But then he says that God will judge the righteous and the wicked. There will be a time for that. So Solomon does realize that. And now we come to verses 18 to 21 of chapter 3. I said to myself concerning the sons of men, God has surely tested them in order for them to see that they are but beasts. For the the fate of the sons of men And the fate of beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. Indeed, they all have the same breath. And there is no advantage for man over beast, for all is vanity. All go to the same place. All came from the dust, and all return to the dust. Who knows that the breath of man ascends upward, and the breath of the beast descends downward to the earth? And he leaves that with a question mark. So again, it says, under the sun thinking, this life is meaningless thinking that he, he, he starts thinking and this perspective that Solomon has. Solomon goes back to uh, his all is vanity, nothing is under the sun, do is under the sun thinking. He states that humans and animals share the same fate. Think of animals, they, they live and die and that's what Solomon thinks. We live and die too. Both animals and humans die and they undergo decay, both of them. All is vanity. Solomon says. Now the preacher hopes there is a different destiny between people and animals, but again, in his, all his vanity or meaningless thinking, he states, and he, you can probably see him doing this, who knows? <laughs> he goes like this. He just, you know, you can just see him going like that because he just, his perspective gets clouded up again and he, he gets away from the eternal perspective. And now we come to verse 22. <coughs> and I have seen that nothing is better than that man should be happy in his activities, for that is his lot. For who will bring him to see what will occur after him? And again, sadly, the preacher I mean, hopes there is a different destiny between people and animals. But again, in his vanity thinking, it's like, you know, who knows? Uh, unfortunately, the preacher is, is thinking, and he just says that man should try to accomplish what he can in this world, because what will happen after him will be nothing because death ends it all. Humankind has no significance or meaning. And I'm sure you can see that thinking in today's world, that just to gather up all the material things and live life to the fullest, and that's it. (laughs) Tomorrow we die, and that's it. That's a lot, unfortunately, of today's world's thinking. Now, again, if I were to say, well, amen, let's pray, that would be really, really depressing. (laughs) But again, thank the Lord. Again, where does that leave us? Well, again, I have a really... It's a pretty neat illustration, and and, and bear with me if you've heard this illustration before, but I think it makes a great point. This is a girlfriend-boyfriend story. There's two scenarios to this girlfriend-boyfriend story. Here's the first scenario. Now, the girlfriend has been seeing this boyfriend for a couple of years. Now, they make a Friday night date night for 6 p.m., and she dresses off both fancily, okay? You know, she's all set to go. 6.15 comes. 6:30 comes. 6:40 he arrives at her house and he's late. Well, she gets all, She's grumpily walking down the stairs to go to his car. She's thinking, "Boy, I must be a real priority." <coughs> now he's hardly talkative to her at all, and that makes her even madder. <coughs> he asks if they could eat at a Panera Bread and get two bagels, some broccoli soup, and she thinks, "You know, here I got all dressed up. I'm going to have a boring <laughs> dinner at Panera Bread." Uh, but she's good. She says, "All right." And so, you know, so they go to the restaurant. And then he asks her uh, if uh, they could go to the beach afterwards. And she's thinking, oh, here are my fancy clothes. What a disaster. I don't want to get sand on my clothes. She's thinking this is going to be a disaster this evening. All right, that's the first scenario. Now we come to the second scenario of the same story. Now she has a date with her boyfriend at 6 p.m. Suddenly, her girlfriend calls her and says excitedly, that she saw her boyfriend at the jeweler's in the mall and that he was buying an engagement ring. He's going to propose to you tonight. She is ecstatic. 6.15 comes, 6.30 comes. Her excitement is bubbling. She is so excited and she's thinking, he must be late. He must be planning something really big. 6.40 comes. He arrives at the house. She bounds down the stairs to get to his car. She is so excited. He is quiet. He's not talkative at all. She knows, oh, the poor dear. His mind is full of so many things to say at this proposal tonight. He asks if they could go eat at the Panera Bread and get two bagels and some broccoli soup. She thinks, oh, how romantic. Two bagels in the shape of a wedding ring. Oh, and the broccoli soup she's very careful to eat because she thinks maybe he put the ring in the soup for her to find. So she's very carefully eating the broccoli soup. Then... After the dining, he says, gee, w- would you mind if we went to the beach tonight? Sure, honey, that would be wonderful. Because she knows, oh, at the beach tonight, he's going to propose to me as the sun sets. What a great evening. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> yes, This is the answer. What happened? She knew the end of the story. She knew what was coming. You know, all of us have gone through very difficult seasons, difficult trials, in life. Some have gone through devastating trials here that won't go away in this lifetime. But for us who believe in Jesus Christ our Savior, we know the end of the story. We know what's coming. Revelation 21.4 says this, and he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, And there shall no longer be any death. There shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Romans 8.28 uh, 828, says this. Romans 8.28, and perhaps a lot of you are familiar with this verse. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We will be enjoying all the wonders and joys of heaven and being reunited with loved ones in Christ. So what joy awaits us? John fourteen six. Again, this might be a verse that, you're, that you know, that I memorized perhaps. John fourteen six. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So are you looking for a way? Jesus is the way. Are you looking for truth? Jesus is the truth. I know you're looking for life. Jesus is the life. John 10.10 says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. John 11.25, just a page over, says this. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. Again, when we live for Christ, our lives take on new meaning and new purpose. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So remember, when you're washing those dishes, do it for the glory of God. Philippians 314, this is a favorite verse of mine, and for those maybe you've out here who've played, our church softball team used to play right out here, and we say this verse uh, before every game in a team huddle. Philippians 314, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's a heavenly reward that we are striving for. So folks, we have a race to run. Again, by the power of the Holy Spirit, let's press on. Let's close in prayer. (coughs) Lord, thank you that you are our shepherd and king. Lord, for those of us who know you, Lord, as our Lord and Savior, Lord, we thank you that our life has purpose, our life has meaning, and it's important to you that whatever we do, that it means uh, so much to you, Lord, that you are so concerned about what we do, and that whatever we do, would be honoring to you. And Lord, maybe for those here who don't have a personal relationship with you that, that are unsure or maybe listening on live stream here, Lord, that again, they're unsure, that, Lord, that you would make yourself known. Maybe you're one that feels like your life is just like a hamster in a, in a wheel in a cage, Lord, just going endless, no purpose, getting up, going to work, coming back home, going to sleep, getting up, going to work. Lord, I pray that uh, all, all you have to do is just to come to Jesus and say, Lord, come into my life. And let me live for you. Make my life worth living for. And make my life have meaning and purpose by serving you. And again, we just thank you for this time that we could be together. Amen.